Welcome to Animals Today, your home for series Talk About Animals. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? When's the last time you heard that conundrum? If you take this question literally, which came first, the chicken or the egg, egg-laying animals like turtles and most reptiles came about way before the existence of the chicken. Dinosaurs also laid eggs, and those funny-looking fish that crawled out of the sea laid eggs as well. So technically speaking, the egg came before any chicken existed. So the egg, albeit not a chicken egg, was definitely around long before chickens, something like 150 million years before them. But the question really is, or is meant to mean, which came first, the chicken or the chicken's egg? Well, now it makes for a great evolutionary biology question, doesn't it? It's a tricky question because you need a chicken to lay an egg, but chickens come from eggs. So what's the answer? Well, at some point in evolutionary history, when there were no chickens, most likely two birds that were chicken-like, we'll call them proto-chickens for the sake of this discussion, mated and laid and created an egg. And then that egg hatched into the first chicken. So most evolutionary biologists think that probably the chicken egg came before the chicken. You know, it's sort of like unraveling the mystery of dog evolution. Although we do know wolves came before dogs, no question, because we know that all modern dogs are descendants of wolves. But like the chicken and the egg thing, we just don't know the exact circumstances how wolves turned into what is now man's best friend. And just to digress here for a second, you guys probably know this, but it's interesting. One theory of how the first wolves were domesticated is that the ancient wolves were hanging around the hunter-gatherer tribe camps, human camps, looking for bones or food. And the hunters might have slipped the more docile, less fearful wolves extra food scraps. And then the Wolves may have then split into two subspecies, the tamer ones that associated with humans and a fiercer subspecies that remained wild. And over a period of many years living side by side with humans, these wolves lost some of their ferocity and developed shorter muzzles and smaller teeth because there were no longer a need for these traits and gradually evolved into the first known dogs. And that's a very short story on how the dog came to be. And that's true evolution, right? Not like what the breeders, the dog breeders are doing to our dogs today for the purpose of creating more dogs. Evolutionary biology is really the processes, the natural selection, the speciation that produced the diversity of life on earth as we see it today. Selective deliberate inbreeding of dogs, which is what these unethical dog breeders are doing, is actually the opposite. It's the antithesis of evolutionary biology and increased diversity. Inbreeding in dogs is the loss of genetic diversity in purebred dogs. You guys understand that, right? About the the problem of inbreeding. Inbreeding is the mating of closely related dogs, like mating a father to a daughter, or brother to a sister. And this means you're mating two dogs with similar genetic pools. And mating two dogs that are closely related to each other genetically, too close to be healthy for dogs. Inbreeding leads to 
reduction in genetic diversity. This reduction in genetic variation puts dogs at risk of birth defects and genetically inherited health problems and weaker immune systems and autoimmune diseases and heart problems and cancers and other health problems. Many dog breeders use inbreeding to create what they think, what they think are the most desirable physical and behavioral traits in a dog without thinking about the health consequences of our dogs. That's not the result of evolution. That's the result of selfish, unethical dog breeders. And that's a whole nother topic, whole nother show. Actually, February 20th, if you go to animalstodayradio.com, February 20th is my rant about some dog breeders and how they're hurting our dogs. You'll like that show. Unless you're a breeder, then you might not appreciate it. So back to the chicken or the egg question. Probably the egg came first. Why are we talking about this anyway? Well, last month was International Respect for Chickens Month. That's fun. Why should we respect chickens? They're just a mere food, right? Well, I will tell you, if you've ever met a chicken, like at a rescue farm or farm sanctuary, you will quickly learn that chickens are not only extremely intelligent and sensitive animals, but they have individual personalities, like our dogs. In fact, I would say the chickens are probably one of the most misunderstood animals around. Really. They love being out in the sunshine. They love being free and able to move about. And it's tragic that millions of these animals, chickens raised for meat and eggs, are unable to engage in any normal chicken activities and are never given the chance to feel joy or freedom. It's very sad. Have you ever watched the comedy TV series, The King of Queens, starring Kevin James? It's a great television series. I'm not really into watching sitcoms these days. Growing up, I had my favorites, but you can stream The King of Queens. The King of Queens ran for nine seasons from like 1998 until 2007. And in one of the episodes... The lead character, Doug, who's a delivery man, almost runs over a chicken standing in the middle of the road. Doug gets out of his car to make sure the chicken's okay, but then sees a man with a huge butcher knife in his hand coming out of a restaurant with dead chickens hanging in the window of his store. Doug quickly grabs a chicken and makes a run for it. And Doug ends up befriending and bonding with the chicken that he saved. Just like you might if you picked up a stray dog in the middle of the road. So Doug gets emotionally attached to this chicken and you see the chicken sitting in the front passenger seat of the truck and, and they're hanging out and laughing together and Doug is talking to the chicken and you're watching them connect all this with Bill Withers' song, Just the Two of Us, playing in the background. It's quite funny. Anyway, Doug ends up finding a great home for the chicken on a small farm where the chicken will be loved and cared for forever. That show was called Offensive Foul, and it was the eighth episode of season nine of The King of Queens. Okay, so this is my point. I remember watching this episode, and it's not only hysterical, but it's so realistic in the sense that, th that when people get to know one of these farm animals, be it a pig or cow or chicken, they realize these animals have personalities, and they're sentient beings, and they're sensitive 
and they're smart and they can feel pain and they can show emotions and they're truly individuals like our dogs. And then like in this episode of the King of Queens, you just say, wait a minute. I was just getting to know this individual with a distinct personality, again, like our dogs. How could I possibly eat one of them? And for so many people, this is just how and when a lot of people decide they no longer want to eat meat. They get to know and meet these farmed animals at a sanctuary, or they simply educate themselves on the horrors of factory farming, and they want nothing to do with this form of animal cruelty. And they suddenly have a new kind of respect for animals, and they decide they really don't need to eat them. And we've talked about this many times before, reducing or eliminating your meat and dairy consumption is not only good for the animals, it's good for the environment and it's good for your health. So once again, back to the chickens, in honor of International Chickens Month, let's learn a little bit about chickens, shall we? And we're gonna make this interesting and really fun, so stay with me here, okay? Chickens are a subspecies of the red jungle fowl, which is a tropical bird from Southeast Asia. And get this, chickens are descendants of the dinosaur T-Rex, the closest living relatives of Tyrannosaurus rex are birds such as chickens and ostriches. Is that cool or what? How intelligent do you think chickens are? Let me tell you how smart chickens are. It's been shown that chickens can count. They can do simple addition and subtraction. They have excellent memories. Studies have also shown that chickens are able to recognize over 100 individual faces, not only their fellow chickens, but also of humans. Okay, don't go away because I know you want to know the answer to the question, why did the chicken cross the road? You're listening to Animals Today. There is no getting around it. The great outdoors isn't so great for your cat. From speeding cars to toxic lawn chemicals, coyotes to cruel humans, cats are no match to the dangers of today's world. The good news is animal behavior experts say cats don't need to go outside to be happy. Your family will be happier and healthier too without the ticks, fleas, diseases, and the dead critters the outdoor cats bring their owners. And you will never have to explain to a crying child who or what hurt her pet or why he hasn't come home. Cats can enjoy a happy and safe life indoors. The key is to provide attention, exercise, and a stimulating environment. Play with your cat. It's fun for both of you. You can hide toys around the house, too. Just make sure there can be no detachable parts that can be swallowed. You can protect your cat from becoming a tragic statistic. Tomorrow may be too late. This message is brought to you by Advancing the Interests of Animals. Visit them at www.aianimals.org. That's aianimals.org. This is Dr. Lori Kirshner from Animals Today. As temperatures climb, please remember never to leave your dog in the car, even for just a minute. Because even with the windows cracked and your car parked in the shade, the temperature inside can climb up in a matter of minutes, high enough to kill your pet. If you love your dog, leave him at home where it's cool and comfortable. And if you see a dog or other pet in a car, you may only have a minute to save their life. Here are a couple steps you can take. Make an announcement in the store or business that cars park nearest to. Also, call the police department or animal control right away. 
Remember, it only takes a minute or two for a dog to get seriously ill or die in a car on a warm day. So swift action can save a life. Dogs are unable to cool themselves the way people can. So never leave a dog or any animal inside a car on a warm day, not even for a minute. This message is brought to you by Advancing the Interests of Animals. Check them out at AIanimals.org. That's AIanimals.org. Welcome back. We're having lots of fun talking about chickens. There's something in developmental psychology called object permanence, which means knowing that an object still exists, even if it's hidden. So you show an infant, a human baby, a toy, then hide it under a blanket. The baby thinks it's gone. It doesn't exist since the object can no longer be seen or heard by the baby. When object permanence is developed in the child and you place the toy under a blanket, the child knows it's there and can actively seek it out. Object permanence requires the ability to form a mental representation of the object. And in human infants, this develops around six months of age. You know, the game peekaboo where you cover your eyes and say, here I am. That actually helps infants develop object permanence. Chickens have object permanence. Chickens have the understanding that objects and events continue to exist even when they cannot directly be seen, heard, or touched. That's pretty smart, wouldn't you say? Now you might wonder, hey, how about dogs and cats? It's been shown that dogs can demonstrate some ability to remember qualities of objects that are not visible. So yes, dogs have some basic object permanence abilities. There was a study in 2009 at the University of Kentucky, and it was observed that in many dogs, there were a few things that prevented some dogs from finding hidden objects, including if the time delay between hiding the object and being permitted to find it was too great. But in most cases, dogs in the study had no problem with the test and the variables used. Cats too are able to understand object permanence, but not to the same extent that dogs can. But chickens have object permanence, and many would say to a greater degree than our dogs. And this is a very cool fun fact. Other than non-human primates, like apes, what animal do you think tests way above all other animals and at a near human capacity for object permanence? I'm going to give you a second to think about this. What animal tests at a near human capacity for object permanence. Crows. Crows. We can do an entire show about the intelligence of crows, but just know that the intelligence of crows may be far more advanced than we ever thought possible. And it's been said that other than primates, that crows could be the smartest animal around. What if I told you that chickens can exercise self-control and delayed gratification? Let me explain. In psychology, delayed gratification is the act of resisting an impulse to take an immediately available reward in the hope of obtaining a more valued reward in the future. 
Delayed gratification refers to the ability to put off something mildly fun or pleasurable now in order to gain something that is more fun, pleasurable, or rewarding later. For example, I can go to a really fun party the night before my big final exam, or I can delay gratification by skipping the party and study for my exam so I can really have a great time over the weekend. Did you know in humans, there appears to be a link between general intelligence and self-control behavior, such as delay of gratification? Are you guys familiar with the marshmallow experiment? In case you're not, I'm going to tell you about this experiment published in 1972 called the marshmallow experiment. This study looked at the child's, the human child's ability to delay gratification and delay self-control. The experiment began by bringing a four or five-year-old child into a private room. They sat the child down in a chair and placed a marshmallow on the table in front of them. Then the researcher gave the kid a choice. You can eat the reward, you can eat the marshmallow immediately now, or if you wait 20 minutes, you can have two marshmallows as a reward. So the kid's choice was one treat now or two treats if you just wait 15 or 20 minutes. Well, I will tell you that the researchers followed up years later on the kids who participated in the study and the experimenters concluded that the kids who waited for the second marshmallow fared better in life. So the preschoolers who could hold out longer before eating the second marshmallow performed better academically. Like they did better on their SAT scores. They also handled frustration better. They managed their stress more effectively as adolescents. They also had healthier relationships and better health 30 years later. Interesting. So these experimenters concluded that the ability to delay gratification was critical for success in life. And then what followed were other researchers who replicated the marshmallow test later on with slightly different parameters and concluded that the child's ability to delay gratification and display self-control was not a predetermined trait, but rather was impacted by the experiences and environment that surrounded the child and that socioeconomic factors played a significant role. So they came to a completely different conclusion than that of the original marshmallow experiment. But it's interesting, isn't it? And you should know that this is not uncommon for there to be problems reproducing the same results in these psychological studies. And this is funny. Listen to this. There was a study that demonstrated how well you can reproduce psychological studies. And the results of that study was that scientists replicated 100 psychological studies and fewer than half got the same results. And there were probably other studies that tried to replicate this study and came to different results. So you guys get my point. It's not surprising that studies came out that were unable to replicate the original results of the marshmallow study. But what is surprising and interesting and reproducible is that in studies where they tested delayed gratification in chickens, chickens could learn to turn down food if they knew they'd get more food later if they did. So, for example, 
in an experimental setting, chickens were given a choice between a two-second delay with six seconds of access to food versus a six-second delay with 22 seconds of access to food. The hens waited for the longer reward. Quote, demonstrating rational discrimination between different future outcomes while employing self-control to optimize those outcomes. That was one of the experimenters' conclusions. Demonstrating rational discrimination between different future outcomes while employing self-control to optimize those outcomes. Self-control usually doesn't appear in humans until about age four. And I know many human adults have absolutely no self-control. Do you want a bag of Oreo cookies now? Or fresh made chocolate chip cookies if you wait an hour from now? No self-control. Chickens, on the other hand, can exercise self-control. And one might conclude that they have a better ability than kids to discriminate between different future outcomes and demonstrate delayed gratification and can better employ self-control to optimize those outcomes. That's a pretty smart animal. Okay, stay tuned for a chicken quiz when we come back. Today, we're having fun talking about chickens. Okay, so now I'm going to get Peter involved and see how much he knows about chickens. Peter. Chickens. Which statement about chickens' vision and eyes is false? Ready? Yeah. Chickens can see red, blue, and green light as well as UV light. Chickens have a third eyelid called the nicotating membrane that slides horizontally over the eyes to protect it from dust and debris. Chickens can use each eye independently on different tasks simultaneously. Chickens have a 180-degree field of vision. Hmm. Which of those statements is false? I'm going to say number four is false. Chickens have a 180-degree field of vision? I think they have more than that. Correct. Ah. Because their eyes are on the sides of their heads instead of the front, Chickens have a 300-degree field of vision without turning their head. And yes, chickens can see a broader range of colors than humans, have exceptional color vision, and can see in UV light Mm. and ultraviolet wavelengths, which are invisible to the human eye. Peter, if chickens can use each eye independently on different tasks simultaneously, that's pretty cool, isn't it? Oh, it's fascinating. It's great. Humans have binocular vision, meaning both eyes focus on the same object and eye movement is coordinated. So if chickens use each eye independently, does that mean they have monocular vision and separate images at the same time are received from the retina of each eye? That would be fun to learn about the physiology of the chicken eye, wouldn't it? That would be fun. (laughs) I probably know about this. (laughs) True or false? The chicken's beak is highly sensitive to touch. That is true. True is correct. The chicken's beak serves many functions, including drinking, exploring, defending, detecting, and it has numerous nerve endings. In fact, scientists believe that the beak 
nerve structure is composed of clusters of highly sensitive receptors and have a sensitivity similar to that of a human hand. Now, we're not going to talk about the senseless act of cruelty of de-beaking a chicken, which often happens in poultry farms and industrial farming, but you can imagine how horrible and painful that would be for a chicken, knowing their beaks are highly sensitive, like your hand. Yeah. Okay, what do you call the fleshy appendage, that row of spikes you see that sits on top of a chicken's head? Yeah. Comb, waddle, earlobes. Mm. How about that's it? <laughs> that's your multiple. I'll go waddle. Or comb. comb. <laughs> <laughs> What's your final answer? Go ahead. Comb. Combs all right, all right. come in all kinds What's of shapes. What's a waddle then? I can't remember. You did that. I was going to ask before. you, what is a waddle? Oh, geez. Okay. Okay. Combs come in all kinds of shapes and sizes and vary according to breed and even the individual chicken. The comb is an external indicator of the chicken's health. A healthy chicken comb is vibrant in color, like a nice, bright, red color. However, sometimes their comb can turn a pale pink or blue color, which indicates that the chicken may have some health issues. Actually, I'm reading my notes now. Now I know what a waddle is. Tell us. Okay. It says here, waddles are two elongated, fleshy, thin lobes of skin that hang down from the lower side of a chicken's head. Both male and female chickens have waddles, which help them stay cool during warmer whether actually both combs and waddles act as the cooling mechanism. So the fleshy, thin lobes yeah. that hang down on okay. you. Okay. You, can you pick, picture waddles now? Yeah. yeah. What's a gizzard? <laughs> a group of chickens is called a flock, a gang, or a kindle. Mm. A flock. Flock is correct. Okay. What's the most famous chicken joke of all time? <laughs> Why did the chicken cross the road? Correct. What's the answer? The answer is to get to the other side. That's the classic answer that has spawned a million billion varieties. Well, historically, the answer is yes, to get to the other side. There are a couple memes that are pretty funny, Peter. You see a chicken walking across a road and stating, quote, I dream of a world where chicken can cross the road without having their motives questioned. Yeah. <laughs> There's another one which shows a chicken on the witness stand and the prosecutor yelling at the chicken. Did you honestly expect the court to believe, Mr. Chicken, that your only reason for crossing the road was to get to the other That's side? That's good. <laughs> a couple other fun facts about chickens. Chickens experience REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep, meaning they experience vivid dreams just like we do. Hens begin communicating with their chicks before they even hatch. When the babies are still inside their shells, the mother hen clucks softly to them and they chirp back. Chickens can show empathy. Studies have demonstrated that chickens are able to show at least one of the essential attributes for empathy. They are affected by and can understand the emotional state of another. A brilliant neuroscientist and our friend, Dr. Lori Marino, reviewed dozens of peer-reviewed studies of cognition, emotion, personality, and social behavior of domestic chickens. The peer-reviewed paper was published in the journal Animal Cognition, and the title is Thinking Chickens, 
a review of cognition, emotion, and behavior in the domestic chicken. She concludes, chickens are just as cognitively, emotionally, and socially complex as most other birds and mammals in many areas. For example, chickens demonstrate self-control and self-assessment, capacities that indicate self-awareness. Chickens communicate in complex ways, including through referential communication, which may depend upon their ability to take the perspective of another animal. Chickens can reason and make logic inferences. For example, chickens are capable of simple forms of logic that humans don't develop until about age seven. Chickens appear able to anticipate future events. Chickens are behaviorally sophisticated, discriminating amongst individuals, engaging in clever social strategies, and learning from other chickens. Chickens have complex negative and positive emotions and simple empathy. Chickens have distinct personalities. Dr. Lori Marino concludes that chickens share a number of cognitive capacities with other highly intelligent species such as dogs, chimpanzees, elephants, dolphins, and even humans. Dr. Chris Evans, professor of psychology, what he does at conferences is, quote, I sometimes list their attributes without mentioning chickens, and people think I'm talking about monkeys. Nearly 9 billion chickens are raised and killed for meat each year in the United States. About 376 million hens are raised for eggs in the United States. Unfortunately, the majority of chickens are confined on cruel factory farms, and whether they are being raised for their meat or eggs, they're all subjected to extreme confinement. These animals are denied social interactions and good nutrition they need, and of course they are forced into cruel conditions until they are inhumanely slaughtered. What you can do if you want to help chickens Educate others about these underappreciated birds. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner. Thanks for tuning in to Animals Today. We'll be right back. Every day in our community, countless animals are starved, beaten, and abused by people. And sadly, most of these cases go unreported and the abusers get away with it. And in many cases, someone knew about the abuse but did not report it. So if you see someone hurting an animal, or even if you just suspect something, call the police or animal control right away. Animal abuse does not just mean physically abusing an animal. Neglecting animals can be just as bad. So if you see your neighbor's dog being underfed, left without water, or tied up in the backyard without protection from the elements, it is important to report that too. In many cases, you don't even have to give your name, and your phone call may save an animal's life. Also, we know that many violent and abusive adults got their start by first abusing animals. It's true, people who harm animals often turn their violence against other people, and that is a cycle we need to break. Remember, animals can't speak out for themselves, so reporting animal abuse can save lives. This message is presented by Advancing the Interests of Animals. Visit them at www.aianimals.org. That's aianimals.org.
The Everglades of Southern Florida has been extensively and rapidly transformed by non-native invasive plant and animal species. Dozens of invasive plants thrive in the Everglades, being introduced both inadvertently and deliberately, and often as byproducts of the pet trade and horticultural industries. The scores of invasive animal species include mammals, amphibians, reptiles, and birds, with the Burmese python being the most notorious example. Invasive animals are introduced as escaped or released pets, as stowaways and cargo ships, and as home aquarium releases. The current infestation of giant African snails was due to specimens intended for use in religious rituals. In addition to the Burmese python, the Everglades Cooperative Invasive Species Management Area has identified 11 other invasive species the public should be aware of, which it refers to as the Dirty Dozen. On the list are tegu lizards, the Nile monitor, the Cuban tree frog, chameleons, the giant African snail, the bullseye snakehead, that's a fish, the lionfish, and four plants, the Australian pine, the old world climbing fern, the Brazilian pepper tree, and the air potato. In the Everglades, the Burmese python has no natural predators, except for crocodiles and humans, and thus is thriving. In the glades, their average size is 8 to 10 feet in length, but examples of 17 feet have been found. They mostly prey upon small mammals, including the endangered key largo wood rat, birds, and reptiles. They have decimated the populations of raccoons, opossums, and bobcats, and have killed off the rabbit and fox populations. As you can see, their harmful effect on the ecosystem has been huge. These semi-aquatic constrictors are also good climbers and often inhabit trees. Fortunately, they rarely attack humans. For animal advocates, what to do about this invasive species and others worldwide presents few good options. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission encourages individuals and contractors to seek out and kill these snakes. They offer cash rewards, t-shirt prizes, and raffle entries for documented kills. The agency also offers training on some of the methods of their safe removal and humane euthanasia, including live training courses, an internet-based course, and an educational video on capturing pythons safely. But humane relocation is not in the cards for these unfortunate predators. And that's your Animals Today Minute for today. You know what it's time for, Peter? Oh no, I know what that means. <laughs> what? An animal quiz, potpourri. Yeah. Potpourri. Of topics. Jeopardy-like. Yes. Listeners are going to play along. See if you can beat Peter. Not hard. Hit Ready? me. Hit okay. Me, hit me. Which yeah. of the following animals breathe through their skin and lungs? Fish, frog, earthworm. Oh, I'll go with frog. Frog is correct. Right. They've got that very moist skin. Yeah. Oh. Easy to exchange gases through. Mm. Correct. Yeah. Which animal has the largest brain of all terrestrial mammals? My elephant, I guess. Yes. Okay. Now, the sperm whale has the largest brain of any animal species, weighing up to 20 pounds. Lemurs are, lemurs. are only native to one country. Which one is it? 
Uh, Madagascar. Yes, the island of Madagascar. They are so cute. They are. Peter, as you know, we used a lot of different animals during World War II, right? Mules, dogs, pigeons, horses, cats, elephants, and others. And here's the question. What animal did the U.S. military try to use as bombers (laughs) during World War II? Okay, I'll go with a bird. Uh, Bird. What? Pigeon? Bats. Bats. They were called bat bombs. Have you heard of that? (laughs) No. Before there were guided missiles and drones, there were bat bombs, right? The idea was to strap tiny timed incinerary bombs to bats and release them over the cities. The bats would then roost in buildings or whatever, and then after a while, the bombs would explode. According to the Washington Post, the U.S. military once recruited hundreds of Mexican free-tailed bats in a plot to blow up Japanese cities during World War II. Now, the whole scheme was cooked up by a Pennsylvania dentist. (laughs) Okay. And President Franklin D. Roosevelt rubber-stamped it, and then reportedly this whole idea ended when the bats and their bombs set most of a New Mexico military base on fire. That's so good. I need to read about this dentist. This is great. Yeah, dentists are very creative. No, I'm laughing at dentists. I respect dentists. Many of them are... You do? I do. Many of them are very creative. They're inventors. Yep, that's right. Okay. Which animal has the most powerful bite in the world? Hmm. Like absolute, not like per tooth or per body weight. (laughs) Right. Absolute. Absolute. I'm going to go with... I would not... uh, I'll go with uh, hippo again. The saltwater crocodile. Oh, yeah. Although hippo has a pretty strong bite, I'll tell you that. A, I wouldn't want one. Right. At 4,000 pounds per square inch. 4,000 pounds. The saltwater crocodile of northern Africa has the strongest bite of any living animal, powerful enough to snag and drag a zebra or an antelope by the hoof into the water. Yep. Which animal has the longest tail of any land mammal? Mammal. Wow. Longest tail. Longest tail. I'll go with a kind of monkey. Good guess. The giraffe has a tail measuring up to eight feet. Its body is about eight feet. Now, if you want to consider caudal fin a tail, the common thresher shark has a tail or fin measuring up to 10 feet in length. And this is the same length as the shark's body. But the male long-tailed widow bird is the animal with the longest tail in relationship to its body. It measures three feet, which is four times the length of its nine-inch body. These beautiful birds are found in Botswana, Namibia, and other countries in Southern Africa. Mm. That's really interesting, especially... Well, it all is fascinating to me, but you wonder what forces led to a thresher shark having such a large fin like you described have you seen you know can imagine what they look like it's really amazing and you wonder what benefit does this confer it must be something pretty powerful i mean so weird looking if you're scuba diving you're gonna recognize the thresher (laughs) shark aren't you (laughs) (laughs) are you not gonna want to distinguish which shark is approaching (laughs) that's a good point what land animal land animal has the largest eye Okay, this one I know also, ostrich. Ostrich is correct. The colossal squid has the largest animal eyes ever studied. The colossal squid has the largest eyes that have ever existed in the animal kingdom. In a living 
colossal squid. They measure about 27 centimeters across, about the size of a soccer ball. Yeah, that's big. How many bones does a shark have? Okay, trick question alert. (laughs) Uh, No bones. Correct. No bones, please. The shark's skeleton is made of cartilage and connective tissue. But I'll tell you, Peter, that even though sharks don't have bones, they still can fossilize. As most sharks age, they deposit calcium salts in their skeletal cartilage to strengthen it. Which flightless bird is the emblem of New Zealand? That's the kiwi. The kiwi, the national icon of New Zealand and unofficial national emblem. New Zealanders have been called kiwis since the nickname was bestowed by Australian soldiers in the First World War. A group of flamingos is called what? A squad? A flamboyance? Yeah. A pack? I know. You've laid this one on me before. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but I, do remember. I didn't believe that it would be actually a flamboyance. But it is. Yeah, I was seeing if you remembered. <laughs> my, Usually I don't. The purpose is to learn from my quizzes. Yeah. Paul McCartney wrote a song about his dog. Mm-hmm. What is the name of that song? Uh, Jet. Jet. You know, that's right. Jet. Actually, Jet was written when Paul McCartney was with the Wings, right? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I should rephrase the question. What song did Paul McCartney write when he was with the Beatles about his dog? Okay, that one I don't know. Sorry. Martha, my dear. Really? Yeah. That was about a dog. Wow. About his old English sheepdog, Martha. That's sweet. It's a sweet song, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. Love it. Ah, Which rock band, this one you should know, which rock band wrote and sang Wild Horses? The Rolling Stones. Yes, that was a song on their 1971 album, Sticky Fingers. Can you name another song with horse in their title? Horse. um, Horse with no name. Yes, I knew you were going to say that. Sang by the group America. That was released in 1971. It was America's very first single and was also their biggest hit, actually. Do you know what the title means? Stuck in the desert? Uh, Hot, hot, hot. This is interesting. Some U.S. radio stations banned the song because of its title and some of its lyrics. It was thought that the song was about heroin. Horse is a common street term for... Uh, heroin? Yes. Okay. I didn't know that, by the way. And lyrics, yeah. like feeling good to be out of the rain, was thought to be a metaphor for escaping the drudgery of everyday life in the city. Other lyrics, which were criticized, the heat was hot, there were plants and birds, birds and, and rocks, rocks and, and things, things. right? Right, because there ain't no one for to give you no pain. Hmm which is continuing on the heroin metaphor. Dewey Bunnell was the writer of the song, and the other members of America completely denied any drug reference connected with the lyrics. According to Dewey Bunnell, the song was composed to capture the hot, dry feeling of the desert. So you were right, mm. if you believe Dewey 50 Bunnell. years. That song is 50 years old. I know. That is, that is fast. Okay, good job, Peter. Pretty good. I think you did great. Okay, (laughs) thank you for tuning in to Animals Today. This is Dr. Lori Kirshner, encouraging you to nurture your love and compassion for the only other beings sharing our planet, the animals. Right? Sounds just like it, right? That's good. uh, Okay. (laughs) I dare you to sing it now. That's where we cut it off. (laughs) Bye-bye. 